Hey, Chuck. So Brightline is in the news once again. They're really the masters of maximizing publicity and marketing. Um, first of all, for a few different reasons, but uh, we'll start across the, to the other side of the country where they've gotten the green light and have begun selling bonds for their potential high-speed connection between California and Las Vegas. Are you excited? I'm very excited about that connection. I think it's one that is long overdue in terms of the, you know, time to travel between there. I think they're very popular destinations that are close together. And I think a lot of people would consider even hitting both of them in the same weekend or same trip. It's just that there's not really been a practical link to do so. Additionally, I think it will help them to, you know, further develop their economies in both regions, which are kind of um, supportive of one another, I think with energy and everything now. And it, firstly, I think, thirdly, I think long-term, especially with the news out of California recently about auto regulations and the types of vehicles that will be allowed in the road, I think more people will be looking for alternative travel solutions. And so I think for all of those reasons, this is a really great chance to be successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have numbers uh, to back this up. Uh, it's just more perception for me. But I feel like um, one difference uh, between the Miami-Orlando connection and Los Angeles-Las Vegas is uh, that that market may be a lot more geared towards LA residents, California residents going out to Vegas. Whereas, of course, as we've spoken about before, Orlando, Miami, they're really targeting a lot of tourists from outside the state or outside the country. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I mean, like, I know that Miami right now, it, almost its most common international flight is to Sao Paulo. And mm -hmm. I also know that, you know, during, especially during Brazil holidays or, or breaks that you see significant numbers at Disney World. Mm -hmm. So I could see many, you know, taking that as a link to combine a beach vacation and, you know, leisure during that time. I think that there is that possibility for outsiders of Vegas and um, LA too, but I think within Florida, people are maybe less likely to be going back and forth. And so it is, I think you're correct. It's more of a out, outsiders vacation type trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, whether you're a visitor to the state or you're a local you know, resident in Los Angeles, I think the point still is that this is that sweet spot for, for Brightline of two close to fly and too far to drive um, right you know around 250 miles uh, with traffic can be much much worse time time wise so so it makes sense it's very exciting uh, I'm glad that they're that they're taking making progress I guess which uh, kind of brings us to news uh, number two with Brightline um, that there are rumors that they have reached a memorandum of understanding with a Tampa developer for potential site, sites for expansion to Tampa. Um, what, what do you think of that? Yes, yeah, so, so that's right. So I think Tampa is really trying to get in on the party with Orlando and Miami and this connection too. I think they really want to be competitive in the state in terms of their visibility in recognition. I think uh, Daryl Shaw, as I remember, actually acquired the right. Tampa Park Apartments, which are the development immediately west of Ybor City. This is a site that previously was kind of considered for a Tampa Bay Rays stadium. And you never know, it still might revisit that. But I think that right now it really would be a convenient location with a significant amount of land that could be developed. And really, I think would help link 
the Ebor to its other core areas, such as downtown and Channelside and Water Street. So I, I think that there's a lot of promise there, especially if Tampa is willing to work with Brightline on what's present there. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, it, you know, it, it's still very speculative. It's still very early stage. Clearly, they need to be doing these and having these talks because uh, there's such a large lead time for major infrastructure projects like this one. So, I mean, they're talking about it now, but construction may not begin for, you know, another five years or more. Uh, we might be looking at like a decade before this comes to fruition on, on a good timeline. So, so yeah, I'm glad that they're doing this talk. I think, um, uh, you know, Tampa is a huge market for them to, to be able to connect to and considering where they, where they are currently going, which is Orlando airport, um, then to Disney, um, it really makes sense to make that, you know, short, short trip, uh, down I-5 to make it <laughs> over to Tampa. So, um, it, it's, it, it makes sense. And I'm glad that they're exploring this, um, and it's just a very exciting time to be part of Brightline. It must be for, for people within the company. You've got these projects that you're trying to juggle long distance, speculative. There's uh, stuff that you're really trying to do within the state of Florida to kind of maximize, um, you know, to, to, to kind of build out a more comprehensive network. And then locally in South Florida, you're really trying to maximize the, the potential of, of the rail line here, and which brings me to that third bit of news um, that the city of Miami and Brightline are very, very close to reaching a deal for Brightline to operate a commuter rail line from uh, downtown Miami to Aventura. Um, and, and so that would be interesting. That's definitely a turn that, that, that's been coming slowly. Uh, but if you asked me four or five years ago, it was something that I would not have been expecting. So, uh, yeah. that, you know, and another thing there, any thoughts on that, Chuck? Well, I think one thing is, I mean, I would agree with you because, you know, Miami and especially suburban Miami outside of, you know, the core really loves its cars in spite of the, the density. It's really a place that, you know, they have that tri-rail link now, but that's a very lengthy connection. It's not something that I think people would regularly travel on at this point. I'm not exactly sure about the numbers there, but I think that this is something that will help them. And, and you know, also I think um, going beyond that, just um, to your point about Brightline, just that they were so, I mean, there, there were some questions that I had, you know, when, you know, Richard Branson and Virgin tried to enter this whole thing. And of course that officially now that partnership has portion has ended, but they really seem to be securing good business partners and like connecting well with the cities that are along the network. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they've, done a good, they've done a good job with that. Um, you know, I think they need to, and I think that's why they're staying, they're keeping themselves in that news cycle and in the conversation because they really need to uh, have sort of a positive, optimistic um, sort of view. Uh, people need to be rolling with them as they try to tackle something that's really never been done before. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so hopefully more power to them. You mentioned Tri-Rail. Uh, I think we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out, but this really kind of puts Tri-Rail in a tough position and hangs them out to dry because this, uh, if, if Brightline ends up operating this uh, segment between Aventura and downtown Miami, it's really, it's what Tri-Rail was kind of positioning for and angling for uh, previously. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it would be interesting. It's, it's, it's a death knell. And, and I think, you know, to, to your point about tri-rail, it's one of the mistakes that has consistently been made, I think, in some of the regional, you know, commuter rail options is they just don't seem to build them where people go. I mean, I think you find that problem in Nashville it, with how far it, out it goes, and it's a very sparsely used far out option. And even with tri-rail, I think a lot of the stations are not necessarily something that gets stuff built around it. This is a very, it appears like a very smart plan where it's mindful of commuters that necessarily aren't in urban living, but, you know, at the same time, that mall and that area around it can be developed, I think, further to really fit the niche of what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, that's always going to be the issue with um, public transit in, in America, at least, is the, um, the balance of, of uh, what would be the most effective uh, path versus the, uh, the most cost-effective. And, and, and so, yeah, with a lot of commuter rail lines, you kind, of, you kind of have to balance where the rail and where the right-of-way already exists and then, yeah. uh, and then do what you can to, to, to make it make the most sense. Um, right, right. So, yeah, with Miami, I think, uh, I think the big question with that segment there is going to be where, what stops end up serving uh, sort of the um, Edgewood, Wynwood um, areas of, of right. inner, of, of the urban core of Miami because there's a good there, point, yeah. There is a lot of development still to be done in those areas and and so that that really could change the shape of of what things look like in the next five years and ten years and then into the future so i think it would tremendously shape the ridership if they had a winwood or, or because i mean i'm sure there's apartment units and developments in those northern neighborhoods which have seen so much investment just massively increasing and so i think it'd make little sense for them not to if they're adding the link to Evan Trade, at least have a few stations, really it's the popular nodes of development and really, you know, transit-oriented development, which is all too rare in the U.S., but I think that it would benefit the whole city and area tremendously. Well, we're getting a little bit long here, but I just, I just to say, to respond to that, um, the thing is, especially, you know, we're talking about transit-oriented development, TOD. I mean, Wynwood has really done a great job um you know just it, it's become a very a hot spot and it, it, it yes. formed itself um the this past decade or two decades and um and so to wonder what the impact of of the rail line would be to that area it, it, it is a good question um whereas you have certain areas that are are more or less undeveloped that are ready to explode um with potential TOD and and so maybe an area like that um, would be better served by a rail stop. So so we'll okay. see we'll see how it all shakes out. Of course, I'm not I'm not advocating for that. Um, the more the better, in my opinion. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see we'll see how how things shake out. Yeah, absolutely.